Hello and a very good evening to you. Welcome to Indivive Radio. Welcome to the number one sports show. And welcome to anyone else that's listening. <laughs> the, the <locker> room. <laughs> and before I start this week, I've got to wish everybody may the fourth be with you. Sorry, <laughs> because <laughs> it's the 4th of December today, just in case um, you didn't know. Uh, Actually, I I'm due to watch the Mandalorian tonight. I'm about four episodes down, so it's funny you said mention that. All <laughs> oh, right, okay. I don't know anything about you mean now, Matthew, because I don't watch that program. So, so you you just threw that out there and <laughs> didn't yeah, watch Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, you you can go. Oh, Star Wars. Okay. Yeah. Uh, moving on. Um. Yeah. So so welcome to the locker room. Um. <laughs> Um, yeah, obviously you might be between six and seven. We speak about sport, and it's been a busy, busy week for for sport. Um, we're going to start off ducking and diving, dive right in um, with the football from last I'm night. Like yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Royal the Rovers. Um, yep. Um, so Rangers qualified last night, Matthew for. For the next what um, thirty two now of the the Europa League, and um, it was a bit shaky at the beginning for for them. Yeah, I mean, do you know what? I think it showed the fight of Rangers. I mean, I think Rangers have had a really long spell of fixtures. Obviously, like I, I mean, I, I know like a lot of other clubs have had, but last night was the first time that I saw Rangers play a bit a bit laggy, a bit tired, not at their best. Um, but they still, I mean, it's a sign of a really good team, obviously, because um, they fought back twice to still beat Standard Liège. And obviously that victory meant that uh, Rangers qualified for the last 32 of the tournament for the second successive year. Um, so, I mean, as usual for Rangers, they were strong defensively. Um, they conceded two goals, but I mean, they were quite difficult goals to concede, or sorry, um, difficult goals to defend against because mm. um, they came in from two crosses, but it was really difficult to sort of defend for that, and McGregor's goal was obviously breached. Um, but, you know, Rangers fought back um, twice, and then obviously the last goal, I don't know if you saw it, but it was a really, really good team goal and a really, really good finish um, that Rangers managed to get the winner and obviously qualify for the next round. So it was yeah. a really good night. Yeah, it was a, it was a good move for that goal, actually. Um and yeah, I mean we well well done to Rangers and, and all that, you know, Skaki got off a wee bit poorly in the game because I think that team scored uh, seven minutes into the game. Um but you're always wondering if a team scores that early, well is that given the other is that given the other team I Rangers plenty of time he he can um could come back into the game. And it just shows you that it was, you know. Aye, I mean, do you know what? They, they, I mean, they came needing to win. I mean, I think they came into the game at Ibrox with only two wins from their previous 10 games. Um, so they weren't on great form, but they know they, they knew they needed to come to Ibrox and win if they had any chance of qualifying. And they came out all guns blazing, you know. And like I said, they, they had a positive start and mm-hmm. scored two goals. They, they, they did. I mean, I'm not saying they looked in control, but Rangers were on the back foot for a little while, and obviously, like I said, they did look tired. But you know, Connor Goldson scored with a header. 
and then James Tavernier scored a penalty. I mean, James Tavernier, I think, scored more goals this year than Morelos and Ruth put together. I mean, Tavernier's having an absolute superb season. Um, and then, obviously, the goal after the break from Scott Arfield was just an amazing team goal. Um, I think, you know, they, they set it up well. It came down the wing. Um, Kent, you know, Kent could have done what most wingers do. I mean, I think when even I thought when he got to sort of the towards the goal line, he'd have just you know zipped it across the six yard box. But he spotted Arfield and played a perfectly timed pass right into the middle of the box. And Arfield with a perfectly timed right foot corner finish um, scored the winner. So I think Rangers, you know, even though they weren't at their free flowing attack himself, they they did fight, they did get stuck in. He scored goals when they needed to. And I think, um, you know, it's, it's just brilliant because they're showing really that in spells, um, they, can, they can compete, obviously, with the top teams in Europe. Um, and since Gerard's been appointed, I think he's been recognised um, as a success in Europe generally for Rangers. Um, and it's interesting to see now who they might get in the next round because I think they have to win the next game or at least they have to... Um, sort of match Benfica's result next week to qualify mm-hmm. so it'll be interesting to see what Rangers do because even though they've qualified you know the Rangers may make changes um, because of, they obviously did look a bit tired last night so they may make a few changes but having said that they may want to finish in top place so they can avoid some of Europe's big guns yeah. in the next round so it will be interesting to see what they do but some of the ties Rangers could have I mean they could have AC Milan they could have Spurs but the big one for me Rangers technically could get Real Madrid and the next mm. round. Oh, yeah. And um, I, I was going to say, going back to the game last night, um, if you were going to pick a, a goal of the game, I would give it a Goldson. I thought he got well for the header. I mean, it could have been any of them. I mean, Goldson, again, I mean, he's nearly unstoppable with his head at the moment. But, uh, I mean, all the goals, really, I mean, the Tavernier was the penalty. So, Goldson's goal was... Had its obviously its benefits for me. My favorite goal was Arfield just because of the team build up. But I suppose your favorite goal always comes down to what type of football you enjoy, what type of player you are. Um, you've given yourself away as a towering defender who just likes to get stuck in and put his head on it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm more of a silky winger who just likes the build up and a nice little squared pass on Darfield. So. Yeah, what what they told you about getting off that computer game, Matthew? <laughs> Fantasy football. <laughs> <laughs> ah well, that's true. Um, but yeah, I think Rangers. I think Rangers. You know, they just they're coming into this uh, really on top of the world. I mean, they've only lost. What's the stat they said last night? They've lost one of their last twenty-two home matches in Europe, including qualifiers. Um, and then if you think about that record, and then you think about the record I said about Celtic last week on with their away performances in Europe. Um, it shows you there's a bit of a. I'm not saying a golf, but Rangers are on top form and Celtic are now struggling a little bit. And um, I don't know, I don't know how Rangers will do in the next round, but I think they've shown Scottish football in the best light. And you know, it depends what the Rangers fans want, whether they want a tie that they can qualify from, or whether they want one of the big guns. But if you're hoping that fans can get in the ground, imagine getting the chance to go see Rangers Real Madrid. That would be some tie. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, you're, you, I mean, you're talking about Rangers having a, having a brilliant record. Let's go to the other end of the city then and uh, speak about Celtic, the Skaki Golf in Milan. I mean, Matthew, I don't know about you, but it was quite surprising how they 
Skaki Gwell uh, winning um, Tom Rogic's with that goal, and then um, Egwag with the second goal, and you're thinking, well, maybe, maybe, and him in, it was a great fall at the end of the night, 4-2, so could get beat. So um, I would maybe say same old, same old. I would say so. Um, it was like what we were saying off air, you know, I think we could have recorded the show for the past, what, how many episodes of this and just pressed play. Um, yeah. Because all the problems, it, this is just history repeating itself. Um, I mean, Neil Lennon has constantly spoke about the lack of confidence uh, being Celtic's problems. Um, and I think that's what he's clinging to is that there's obviously a confidence problem. But, you know, you saw last night, even with a perfect start, and confidence should have been high at that point, in all fairness. Even with a perfect start, Celtic just crumbled away into the usual um, mess that they, they found themselves in. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the, the team, I think as a team, it's more than just belief and confidence. Um, team selection information has just, has just changed back and forth all season. Um, and I think that shows you that it's not just confidence, it's that he doesn't know who he's best for, or what his best formation is, he doesn't know what his best team is because I think I think he knows that on paper what his best side might be, but the players just don't seem to want to put in the performances for him. And you know, last night you saw Laxal was in there and Frimpong were in there as fullbacks again, and it's really really frustrating because even though Celtic are can't, are are not defending well and obviously are struggling with mistakes, you continue with Frimpong and Laxal in there. They're not fullbacks, you know. They're they're basic. They are bot and they are wingbacks. That's what their prime purpose is, and they play like wingbacks even when we play four at the back. So these guys are bombing forward, forgetting their defensive duties. And I don't know why Lennon seems shocked when they see Milan come forward and we're defensively all over the place because two of our players out of our four are halfway up the pitch. I just I, I really don't understand it. <laughs> no, I mean I mean. It's clear to me to say, and obviously for MA Celtic fans watching the game last night, that Frimpong is good going forward, but he's not a defender. Um, and um, they, there was a few times last night, uh, in fact, for one of the goals as well, I think he, he was caught out, Matthew. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, I don't think he, defending's not his strong point, point no. and lacks and lacks all strong point. I think they know that. But if you're struggling defensively, what you don't do is tell your struggling fullbacks to keep bombing up the pitch because it just creates problems. I mean, if I was, I mean, we were speaking about this yesterday. You know, Neil Lennon is still the Celtic manager. Celtic seem in no rush to be able to change that. So, what what does Neil Lennon have to do to fix this team? I mean, I would I would say the problems are deeper than just the team information. I think that Neil Lennon possibly at this point has lost the dressing room. I think the result in Ross County showed that, that you might not have Celtic players openly down in tools, but what you do have is Celtic players not giving 100%. Mm. And that is just as bad as down in tools because you could see against Ross County, none of them looked bothered. Mm-hmm. None of them seemed upset. They just sort of went about their business as if it was just a run-of-the-mill friendly sort of game. You know, like um, a Yeti missed a chance, Edward missed a chance, and it didn't seem to bother them one shape or form, like how they missed. So I think the problems are deeper than this, but 
if I was Neil Lennon and I wanted to fix this team, the first thing I would do is kick out every player that's not behind them. So mm. if you've got, even no matter who it is, so if you have a player like Edward, if you have a player like Christie, if you have a player like Encham, if you have any of these players that are not investing in that this side, I don't care who they are, just get them out of the team. Because it's not it's clear as day not helping. Yeah, yeah. Um so if I, if I was gonna if I was gonna and this is if I would save Neil Lennon, I mean I'm pretty much I love Neil Lennon as a player. Um I'm very much thinking that Celtic need a change top to bottom in the coaching ranks. But if I was Lennon now, that's what I would do, number one. Number two, I would play a four four two and just solid up the team. So, you know, have a solid back four. I don't want a back four with wing backs bombing forward because that's not helping the team. You might have El Hamid, you might have, say, Taylor, who's just been completely forgotten over the last few months. You might have mm. those two as your full backs and just say, don't come forward, just sit, just help mm-hmm. the defence, stay solid, um, the, and then take it from there. The, uh, the, the thing I was going to say, Matthew, before we move on and speak about this weekend's games, but just a quick word about last week's game. Obviously, the Ross County Celtic game can speak for itself because everybody knew it was a, a very poor performance for Celtic and a very good performance for, for Ross County. But, um, you know, and it doesn't matter how poor Celtic were, Ross County had to get the job done and then in the trend of the cup. But what I wanted to touch upon very quickly was that the fans after they get well, I say fans loosely, Matthew, uh, outside the, the ground, because to, to me, and I know that you sent me a few videos last week, to me, that was embarrassing for Celtic. They didn't need that because it was embarrassing enough how they get beat on the pick, on the park, and say it's dig off the park as well. And to me, they are not fans. Now, as I said to you yesterday, and people can email in or, or leave a comment on Facebook or, or whatever and tell us what, what you think of this, but if that was Peter Lowell, I would go around a certain um, certain point of the fans. I'm not going to mention the name of the fans because... I might be totally wrong or I might be totally right, but <laughs> I don't want to get myself in hot water here. But if I was Peter Lowell, I would say, well, if you don't want to support the club, give me your season books back. Because obviously there's plenty of people out there that would love to see Celtic. I'm talking about families as well, Matthew. You know, so that's not a way to support your team. Okay, everybody's upset. We understand that, but there's there's a way that you, you know you, you can do that. You know, I'm assuming you're not talking about the hospitality sections, though. Um, um, <laughs> no, no. That, uh, if, uh, if I was talking about that, I would call it the sandwich brigade. But no. <laughs> but, but yeah. Oh, the sandwich brigade. How posh are you? The peace brigade. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, maybe if you take the second half of that, I don't know. But anyway. um, I mean, I, I think the pro- I can understand the protests outside in the sense that the peaceful protest before it, and the start of the peaceful protest after it, I, I can kind of understand that because I don't, I don't think there's any, right now 
because there's no fans in the ground mm-hmm. and because the Celtic AGM in the next couple of weeks is basically yeah, I mean, on Zoom. I mean, maybe um, that doesn't help either how fans aren't allowed in the ground because if the fans were allowed, allowed in the park, Matthew, believe you me, you could hear the fans for wherever you are in Scotland, but maybe that's to do with it as well, but that's not any excuse, I would say. Um, I would. What I would say is, uh, I think what what has happened last week is that the pro, the protests, peaceful protests, became violent, probably with an element of well, I don't want to say support, an element of people who were quite happy to turn up and purposely cause trouble. Yeah. Um, and I think that that was seen because before the game, I think the protest was what fifty to hundred people. Yeah. Um, I'd say the protest started after the game, maybe fifty to hundred people lining about as well but then all of a sudden the sniff of trouble happened and all of a sudden the numbers rocketed all of a sudden from 50 to 100 to god knows how many mm. so I, I think there's an element in our support maybe i mean maybe or maybe it's not it's linked to a group as such but there's an element in the celtic support that obviously were crying out for trouble on sunday and they were given the opportunity to do it and they were um, and obviously, I think they'll be dealt with whether by Celtic or they'll be dealt with by the police. I mean, I think today uh, one person has already been charged uh, by the police in regards to the trouble. So already, you know, Celtic are or the police are already starting to make arrests in connection with the disorder. Um, I think it was a 22-year-old man that was... Um, I, I think actually he was arrested and he's due to appear in Glasgow court at a later date. So yeah, people are starting to be arrested in connection with that. But mm. my, I mean, from a footballing point of view, my main concern with that was, you know, quite soon after it, Celtic came out and basically said, you know, the trouble was out of order. Um, the people involved weren't fans. We all looked to investigate, blah, blah, blah. And that's right. You know, I, I don't have any disagreement with that. I think they've done the right thing there. But then the next part was the worrying part. You know, Celtic will not bow down to this sort of pressure. Neil Lennon's our manager. I I would be deeply concerned if um, Celtic as a club, if I was a shareholder and, and supporter, I would be deeply concerned that Celtic's policy in regards to keeping managers that our club is based on Celtic's club um, is based on a few meds and almost you know I'll keep we'll keep Lennon because we want to show the meds who's in charge that seemed to be to be a bit of a short-sighted policy from the board I don't mm. think it matters I honestly think you know I, I think if, if what happened on Sunday hadn't happened I think Neil Lennon wouldn't have been the manager of Celtic at the moment Mm. I do think that's the best thing for Celtic at the moment, not to have Neil Lennon as a manager. Not because of any personality thing, because like I said, I love Neil Lennon as a manager um, previously. I think he's done a good job as a player, obviously, but now it's not working for, for many reasons. Some of which are obviously outside his control, I would guess. Some of which I would guess are also in the hands of Peter Lawwell. I think a lot of this trouble is not Lennon's fault, but I think it's time for him to go. But like I said, I think Peter Lawwell's kind of controlled that club and put power in that club into people's hands that shouldn't have had it and maybe above or beyond Neil Lennon so I do think it's time for him to go I think he would have left if it wasn't for the trouble on Sunday and I think if you're Peter Lawwell or you're Dermot Desmond you should be ashamed of putting Celtic's policy second to just showing a bunch of Neds who's boss Yeah I think you're right there Matthew like you you, you can have on a good point there because that, um, I think if 
people weren't outside the park after the game, uh, then Mill Lennon would get the sack, I think. But because the fans were there, Celtic must see to, well, Peter Lowell, Demet Desmond and the rest of the board would say, well, that's happened last night. Let's kind of like, stick up for, for the manager as well. But, I mean, the, the bottom line is, Matthew, right, if, if Celtic won 5-0 last week, we would never be having this conversation than now. Well, and for me, I mean, uh, I mean, for me, yeah, I kind of get that. I mean, perform. I mean, people think Celtic fans are spoiled and, you know, they've been moaning about things and even though they've won trophy after trophy and such things. But I think it's the performance level. I mean, for me, it just seems to me that if Celtic are winning 1-0, and they might win 1-0, 2-0, 3-0 on Sunday, but for me, it's the performance level, it's the lack of hunger mm. that's there at the moment. Um, it's a lack of playing for the manager that's worrying at the moment. I think it's those sorts of things. And like I said, I don't, I don't want Neil Lennon to go because I, I think he's an awful manager. I don't. I mm. think things have transpired at Celtic that have caused this this to happen. And not all of them are Neil Lennon's fault. Like I said, I blame Peter Lawwell because I think that I think he's invested too much power and um, authority in people that are maybe below Neil Lennon. I think, uh, therefore, Neil Lennon feels probably a bit, um, you know, not wanted or not valued by Celtic. I think there's some players at Celtic that have, quite frankly, thrown Neil Lennon under the bus because they've either not liked Neil Lennon, but two, maybe wanted to leave the club and therefore have give or take down tools. So I don't think it's because Neil Lennon's a bad manager he should go. I just think things have things have come together that have resulted in this season being a complete disaster and players not wanting to perform and I think a change is needed for everybody not just Celtic but I think Neil Lennon looks a defeated man at the looks moment and tired as well yeah. when you look at him yeah okay well let's move on we'll come back to speak to about Celtic and Rangers in a wee minute or two because we could spend the whole programme spe- um, speaking about the, the issues, and, and I'm sure we will Come back to speak, speak about next week. Them. Yeah, next week. <laughs> so join us for the Celtic Hour special. <laughs> so okay, then we could do a daily. We could do a daily record. You know, Celtic in crisis. Yeah, and <laughs> and cut up the, ba- the bags. You know, like, yeah, that'd yeah. be that'd be fun. Yeah. Um, okay, let's um, let's look at the football uh, this weekend then. Uh, before we get into the meat and bones of it. See what I gave them, mates and boys. Um, we'll uh, tell you who's playing who at the weekend. So, starting tonight in the championship, we've got Queen of the South versus Inverness. Tomorrow in the Premiership, we have got uh, um, uh, Hamilton uh, at home to Kamarok. Livingston is at Dundee United. We'll come back to speak about the two teams in a minute. Um, Motherwell against Hibs. And St. Mirren against Aberdeen. Um, and also in the championship tomorrow, we have got Aroa against Air United. We have got Dundee against the Smokies Abroof. Um, Smokies Backfree, by the way. Uh, Greenock Morkin against Hearts. Uh, that's a very tasty game, I think, as well. Um, Ross Count, um, uh, <laughs> Ray Throwers against Gethsemane. That's a kind of derby, that one. And on the Sunday, we've got a game, uh, 12 o'clock kickoff, as usual for Sky, uh, Ross County against Rangers, 
and Celtic is at home to St. Johnson. So they're let's... getting me hungry now, Michael. All these smokies and that game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but um, a, a success. No, smoking's not. Smoking's not going to see. No. Okay, uh, <laughs> smokies, tasty games. Oh, man. yeah, derby games, and yeah, we've got oh yeah, that's right. We're the number one sports show, Matthew. Um, see if I, I like smokies. There. Yeah, oh, like, um, not better than a smoky and a Cuban cigar and a bit and of whiskey. And the, ke- and the kebab. Um, oh, e- <laughs> lower the standards. <laughs> yeah, well, you can tell them from Ephraim for sure. Okay, you can. Um, I you what's know, your kebab made of? Yeah, Donna. Um, <laughs> I, think you <laughs> I think you set me up there for a brilliant joke. Um, you can email us in anything you've held so far. Um, smokies or kebabs or that uh, lockerroominderlife at gmail.com that's lockerroominderlife at gmail.com okay Matthew let's pick up on some of the games this weekend then um, we uh, uh, start with uh, Hamilton uh, command game but you, we've got, you've got news on command this week because they've been so found guilty by the SFA yeah, I mean, COVID-19 rules were obviously breached in St. Mirren and Kilmarnock. Yeah, but I might as well tie them both in because it was them. Um, mm. St. Mirren and Kilmarnock have obviously been <laughs> have been fined £40,000, um, a suspended sentence, um, or a suspended fine up to the 30th of June. So it may, the, the, the fine itself may not have to be paid. Hopefully the SPFL look at that again because um, I don't think fining clubs for that situation is, is fair considering that. Nah, yeah, because I mean, the, the clubs are obviously struggling for money. Why punish them anymore? But they have mm-hmm. lost points. I mean, Motherwell were awarded the two three 0 wins, uh, one of them against Hamilton. Um, so, like, I, I think I don't know. I mean, I think both the clubs are disappointed, obviously. But St. Martin and Kamarnock have obviously admitted. I mean, that's the, they're disappointed with the fine, I think. But they've obviously admitted that social distancing rules on buses at meal times. Um, you even had players sharing cars to and from training. I mean, it was a, it was a pretty it was a pretty diabolical situation, really. That you know, you, you thought at this time a lot of football clubs knew the the COVID rules and understood them and things like that. Um, and then you hear Saint Martin and Kamarnock obviously opening or openly admitting that distancing rules on buses and meals times etc were were just blatantly ignored. So, I do think I do think the results losing the game in hands. I think were a, were a fair um, punishment for for the teams uh, involved in this, but I do think that the fines were maybe a bit over the top. Because yeah, I mean, I mean, I totally agree with you there, Matthew, about the fines because no disrespect to any of the St. Mullen or Kamark fans listening to the show, but like they are, uh, you you know, you see the size of St. Mullen Park, Matthew, right, and say gets pretty wee as well. So how can you social distance? And uh, as I said here a few weeks ago as well, St Mirren's car park was used for a corona, uh, uh, so that the coronavirus uh, testing centre. So no wonder that <laughs> most of the St Mirren team and the coaching uh, team were positive because... You know, they, they, they're actually going in every day. 
to uh, news at Midland Park or whatever they're call, calling it this week. And then no wonder that they're picking it up. Yeah, I mean, I don't, well, obviously they're walking past the car park, but, you know, it doesn't help them. They're, they're obviously going past these sorts of... Um, these sorts of venues and then obviously they're sharing they're getting close on buses and they're getting close at meal times and they're sharing cars <laughs> to and from training. I mean to me I mean I get what Kamarnock were saying, you know, Kamarnock were obviously pointing out that football's not immune to the pandemic and, you know, while they have to uh, have to accept that there's risks, um, there are occasions when transmission will occur without fault and that's true. I do I do think there will be times in football where um through no fault of anybody, COVID will transmit uh, to and from players and, and whatnot and management team. But when you see people sharing cars to and from training venues and on buses and things, I mm-hmm. do think that's when it becomes a bit negligent. Um, because if it did happen by mistake, I can take that on board. But, you know, they're they're blatantly infringing social distancing rules. And, and for that, you know, I think a punishment of some sort is fair. Um, I do think the results are fair, um, but I, yeah, like I said, I don't think the fine's going to help anybody, and I think that should be uh, strict off the record, to be honest. Um, but I do think clubs have to look at it. I mean, you can just imagine a team full of St Mirren, you're on social distancing, all these St Mirren players on the bus having a chippy or whatever, and after the latest away game, and you think... Having a chippy, man? <laughs> yeah, you you could tell Marcia played Sunday league football for a wee <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, on Monday night, <laughs> or maybe side of side. But you know, I, I do think I do think there was punishment we did in this case, but I don't think a fine was um, a fine was acceptable. I think. That, you know. Um. Okay, let's move on to uh, the Livingston Dundee United game. Before we get to the Dundee United, uh, Livingston has got a new caretake um, caretaker manager. Yeah, well, it's new and old. Um, I mean, it's quite funny. I think this guy, obviously, you know, Gary Holt left uh, last week. And, you know, we were all wondering who it would be. Uh, I think the director of football who was there, David Martindale, he has now taken up the Livingston job full-time uh, on an interim basis. Uh, after he, I think he was offered the job two and a half years ago. But the time he turned it down, and he's sort of been sniffing about that job for a while obviously when Kenny Miller was there and um, Gary Holt was there he's been kind of in the background but he's now finally taken it on uh, and he's you know it's a it's a full-time interim position at the moment Livingston have said that they're no rush to appoint a permanent successor so I do think it's his job to lose at this point um, mm. and it'll be interesting to see how he gets on because like I said I think I think if he if he does have a decent start and he does, you know, clear, sort of steer Livingston away from relegation trouble, I think he will leave the head of football operations there and will take on the permanent job. I think that's where we're at. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he gets on. It wouldn't surprise me if he does okay. I, I, I'm never a fan of directors of football because it always seems that, you know, the head coach is there and somebody's just above. That, I was going to say, this smells of Craig Levine. Aye, it does. That's that's why it doesn't sit perfectly with me. Is it? There's just some that just seems a bit funny. Um, <laughs> but you know, Livingston, if they survive, it's a good job to me. And um, you know, I think it'll be a good thing for him if he if he can if he can steer Livingston to safety. Then I think it's a good job for him. I think Holt had done such a good job last year. 
um, and steered Livingston to fifth. That maybe maybe what's happened is they've been a bit of a victim of their own success. You know, they've done they've done so well that the fact that they're tenth um, is a bit of a disaster for them. But there could be something behind the scenes going on as well. And yeah, you're right. The, anything like this director of football ish thing always doesn't sit well with me. And it always makes me wonder. But it even looks worse when that guy then takes charge. Hmm. Yeah, um, and uh, Dungy and Mikey, there was news coming out yesterday about Mickey Merlin and some of the coaching staff has to isolate. Um, so I think the the youth coach is kicking the, the team this weekend. Yeah, it's a, I think it's a guy called Thomas Courts. He's looks like he's going to take charge of Dundee United this weekend. I think Mickey Mellon and his coaches are in self-isolation. I don't think Mickey Mellon's actually been tested positive as having COVID-19, uh, but he is isolating as a precaution. Um, and I think Dundee United are currently in talks with the SPFL and Tayside Health Board as to where they go with this. So it'll be interesting to see you know, how this situation unfolds because I would guess the game will go ahead, but you never know when they're in discussion with health boards and uh, the SPFL. You just don't know how it's going to go. And it tends to be a, a bit of a fluid situation. And would it surprise you if the game's called off for about three, four hours? To, to yeah, that's tomorrow. the usual thing that happens in Scotland. <laughs> yeah, and, and they have been affected, you know, because I think Dundee United had to cancel their Wednesday training session uh, following the news. And it it's, it's not clear whether they trained yesterday or not. Um so I'm not sure how this will this will play out. Um, but it's probably something we're going to have to watch in the next few hours um, yeah. to see how it goes. But I think Thomas Courts he used to be manager of Kelty Hearts, mm. um, so yeah, he, he has experience at a sort of lower down level. Um, but yeah, if the what worries me is the players haven't trained for a lot of this week, and whether it's fair for them to go to the Tony Macaroni Stadium and. Um, to play a game on Saturday, I'm not entirely sure, but no doubt the SPFL will let us know in due course whether the game's going to go ahead or not. Um, quick word about Kamarok uh, Hamilton because Kamarok's been fined as well this week, Matthew. Yeah, I mean, Kamarok, uh, St. Mirren, Hamilton, um, they all seem to have been obviously affected by this, some more than others. Um, I don't know, it's a tough one because Hamilton are obviously. Um, struggling at the foot of the table and are looking for a run of games to try and get them going and every time there's a, you know COVID comes in and hits them it just stops them getting on that run again so it's a, it's a shame for them um, but I know we're going to go on to talk about Motherwell the one positive I think that come of this week uh, is that Motherwell are on a great run of form um, you know their other side are North Lanark so they've won the last two games 3-0 so I think they're the form team in the SPFL at the moment after Rangers mm-hmm. OK so let's go on to speak about Motherwell and Hibs that, that looks a very tasty game <laughs> yeah I mean Motherwell stop with the food analogies um... yeah I know sorry. <laughs> sponsored by Just Eat no OK <laughs> did you hear that Just Eat just uh, sponsors anything yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you'll get twelve additional orders this week that you wouldn't have had to wait if Michael hadn't mentioned it. <laughs> I mentioned that again just to make sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, anyway, uh, uh, yeah. I mean, Motherwell were actually in a funny bit of form actually up to then. I mean, they were struggling a little bit. They weren't getting going. They were always hot and cold. But now they've, they've been awarded two or three nil wins. Um, the table looks a lot more healthier for them. 
Um, Hibs, Hibs, on the other hand, obviously, I don't know, they're, they're probably they're coming into this game, I think, with a bit of light at the end of the tunnel. I think they, they know they're on a bit of form. Um, they've not played to their best, actually, the last month, I would say. They've been picking up results, um, but they've not played the scintillating way they were playing, say, in August, September, October time. So they'll be, I think Jack Ross will be hoping to get a bit of form going as well, results against uh, against Motherwell. It does have a look of a good game, I must admit. I think, but I think I think Hibs will maybe just have a bit too much from Motherwell um, this weekend, and Jack Ross can get his get the results flowing again. But like I said, Hibs haven't been at their best. They've been hot and cold since well, since maybe just prior to the Hearts semi final, and it's just continued that way. So yeah, one week, yeah, it's yeah, one week man. they look like they can win, and then the next week they look poor. So it's hard to know which Hibs side you're going to get, but they're picking up results. That's the main thing through their poor stage. So. Yeah, that, that seems to be a, a good game. Um, let's move on to women's football now, Matthew, because um, Scotland get beat during the week in one of the qualifying games. Yeah, it was a bit devastating, I think, for, um, for Scotland. I mean, we all thought that they had the chance of uh, qualifying for... I mean, I'm getting confused with the dates now. It was originally Euro 2021. Is it Euro 2022 now? I have no idea. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> but but it originally was next year, and Scotland had the chance to qualify. Um, but, you know, their their hopes were dealt blow, a few blows in, in the last few weeks. Um, you know, they, they lost 1-0 in Portugal last week. Um, they lost, you know, against Finland at Easter Road. Uh, they huffed, they puffed, they couldn't blow the house down really for mm. against Finland and you know, it, it was just one of those it was a typical, do you know what, no matter whether it's men or women, it was a typically Scottish performance um, and that because of that it meant that Scotland now couldn't qualify for the tournament and the next two games coming up in February are basically, you know, dead rubber games. Uh, Scotland because of that going out will not have another competitive game until 2022. So you know, it, it was disappointing, especially because Scotland ha- Scotland's women's team have actually been performing really well. And I think there was a bit of an assumption, actually, on my part that Scotland would do it because they have been doing so well. Um, but, yeah, the results were disappointing and now Scotland, sadly, are out of the tournament. And um, I think there's a few exhibition tournaments maybe planned that Scotland could be involved in. But if there isn't because of COVID, I would guess um, it'll be another, you know, nearly two years until Scotland play a, another competitive game. And it's quite disappointing, really, and, and sad for the girls. But, um, you know, these things do happen. You know, there's, yeah, there's still yeah. hope for Scotland. And um, it wouldn't, you know, despite not reaching the finals, there's still, you know, a lot of forward steps that have been made in the last five years not only in the international scene, but in the domestic scene. So even though it was disappointing, there's a lot to be positive about still in the women's game, whether it is, you know, like I said, international or domestically. And, you know, hopefully we can come forward and do better in the next World Cup qualify, and if not before then, hopefully. Um, Okay, so um, Matthew's got some news on the rugby fans being allowed back in, but just to round up this weekend's uh, Autumn uh, Cup, ties. Uh, Scotland is back in action because last week the game was off. So Scotland is in Ireland this weekend. Uh, Georgia is in Fiji. Well, they're playing Fiji. Fiji. 
Uh, I like the way I have a say that Fiji and um, Fiji, 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 man. I'm from uh, I'm a glass Fiji, Fiji. Um, and then we have got um, actually um, as a way to Wales uh, for this weekend's round of games in the Autumn Cup. Yeah, I mean, it was a shame. I mean, before I mentioned, obviously, what you were mentioning about the fans coming back in, you know, mm-hmm. Aberdeen did Aberdeen did make an application to the Scottish government to have fans back into the stadium quite soon. I think they were looking at getting 200 people into an upcoming game at Pataudry, but the Scottish government have said no. So to tie mm-hmm. that in, it's quite interesting to see where uh, it goes with the SRU because the SRU have actually got a proposal uh, to allow 5,000 fans. So it's a bit of a difference. Uh, they're, hoping, yeah. they're, have, they're hoping to allow 5,000 fans back to Murrayfield for Edinburgh's meeting with Glasgow on the 2nd of January. Um, and they're hoping that, obviously, if the Scottish government allowed the 5,000 fans in for that game, they're hoping for the number to rise to just shy of 25,000 for the Six Nations coming up. So it'll be interesting to see if if they do get five thousand fans in there, um, and you know with the you know hopefully the vaccine coming on online soon and stuff, you know it'd be good for the Scottish Rugby Union to get five thousand mm-hmm. fans into that game or twenty five thousand into the Six Nations because, as we mentioned last week, the SRU have got a forecasted potential loss of eighteen million pounds by May next year. So to get fans back in the ground for any of these games would be positive, in particular of the Six Nations. But as a start, the Edinburgh-Glasgow derby would be a a good game to start for the 5,000. So fingers crossed for that. And the game this weekend, not not too far from where I'm sitting, actually, in Dublin. Uh, You know, the last time Scotland beat Ireland in Ireland was actually in 2009. Uh, That game was at Croke Park. And my wife and myself actually were at the game. Um, so maybe I should go down to Dublin and stand outside. <laughs> maybe I'm a good luck charm. Um, you know, we were at a game. I think it was Dan Parks got a winning penalty. Uh, a winning penalty in the last, with the last kick of the ball, I think, at Croke Park. Um, and then after the game, the president of Ireland nearly knocked me down with her car. Um which is an interesting side story to that. <laughs> That's all I remember. Dan Parks got the penalty and President McAleese nearly knocked me down my car. So, <laughs> go figure. <laughs> Do you know, I was face to face with her. There was a bit of what glass between us and my face was in the window and she looked up at me and gave me a wee shy wave and I waved back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, well, I mean, if it was married, it would be, have to be two metres apart, but there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I should have, ah, yeah, it was one of those interesting moments. She was like, who's this hairy, butted Scottish guy with his kilt on? Now, look at that. <laughs> yeah, a kebab in his hand um, <laughs> yeah. with his kilt on. Yeah. Smoky. Um, yeah, 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 smoky. But you know what? I, th- I think Scotland, you know, I'm quite confident Scotland have obviously, are obviously... Uh, travelling to Ireland aiming to finish third in the Autumn Nations Cup the Six Nations itself was actually quite positive too you can see there's a level of progression that Scotland are making um, and I think we're getting there slowly but surely I think Edinburgh there's going to be a debutant this weekend uh, Van der Walt who plays for Edinburgh uh, he's going to play as a fly half this weekend um, against Ed- against Ireland so that would be interesting I think he He's South African, but he obviously he qualifies for Scotland through residency. And I think he he replaces Duncan Weir, 
uh, who's one of six changes to the side that lost 22-15 to France. Um, so there are a few changes to be made. Um, it'll be interesting to see how we get on, actually, because a trip to Ireland is never easy, and I think this is one of the tests that we have to to see if we can go and compete, at least in Dublin. Mm. Um, Ireland haven't been on the greatest of form themselves. They've been a bit up and down too. So, you know, for some reason, I don't know what it is. There's just something inside me that thinks Scotland might actually do it this weekend. I don't know whether it's just naivety or whatever, but, you know, we've finally got a squad, I think, that Scotland can be proud of. And we've made six changes. Scotland don't look any weaker for, for it. And uh, I think we might have a, a decent chance to, to pick up something, you know. Yeah, here's hoping, fingers crossed. Um, So, moving on um, to um, to some other sports. Um, Just just quickly, I meant to just throw in there actually about the the Pro 14s actually on a bit of a a hiatus at the moment. I think the next game is not until uh, Boxing Day uh, slash St. Stephen's Day. Um, (laughs) There's there's a, I think the next game is going to be a Derby game, Edinburgh-Glasgow and Glasgow, so there's a bit of a delay at the moment, but it's probably a good thing for the Scottish sides because we've been atrocious in the Pro 14 up to now. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, good, good moving on. If you want to email us, by the way, any points of view that we've made, uh, in the, um, so the lockerroomindylife at gmail.com. That's lockerroomindylife at gmail.com. Okay, so moving on to um, snooker now, Matthew, because um, I know you like your snooker. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that says I'll, it all. Um, I, told, I think the first show, I loved the big break, pub and basket. That was a yeah, pub. Yeah, John, um, um, John uh, I still can't remember his name now. But nice meals in there too, though. I don't. It's not there anymore. But there's yeah, always nice dinners. Yeah. I think it's a Weatherspoons. Yeah, that Weatherspoons. <laughs> I, I think. Uh, I think this this is coming into a food show this weekend's gig a sports show sponsored by Just Deep. Anyway, um, yeah. So, um, big um, two sporting events coming to Scotland. One next week and one next year. We'll begin with the event happening. On Monday, the seventh of December, it is the Scottish Open. It is part of the U- UK uh, tournament where they play in Northern Ireland, England, w- Wales, and of course Scotland is last. And it's taking place at the Emirates this year, as usual, uh, between the seventh to the thirteenth of December. So that's on for a week. Sadly, there won't be any fans there, but you can watch it on the TV as well. And um, I've been watching a bit of the uh, championships this week, the 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 quarter uh, the quarterfinals this week. Uh, sadly, there's no any Scottish players in the quarterfinals. Our pa- our pal John Higgins and our other pal Glenn Dot has been knocked out of the, the the championship but hopefully they will do better when they come home for, for the Scottish Open oh and that's week so look out for that one the 7th to the 13th of December also the other bit of news that I've got for you this week is um, athletics and uh, Glasgow uh, hopefully there'll be fans back for us I'm not very sure but uh, Glasgow is to hold the British Athletics Indoor Championships uh, next 
next February between the 20th to the 21st of February and that's going to be at the same venue as the snooker at the Emirates in Glasgow so hopefully there'll be fans in Matthew because you know athletics is one of these sports where you need a bit of an atmosphere well hopefully the sports aren't running at the same time it'd be quite interesting to see <laughs> if they had the snooker yeah <laughs> um, no I, th- I think a lot of these I mean a lot of these events I think especially things like this need the fans back in and I think, like you say, the atmosphere's a major point of it. But another point is, you know, they don't have the TV revenues that obviously other sports have. So, you know, mm-hmm. if they're going to have sporting events uh, on, then they need to start be thinking about getting fans in to, you know, to generate money that they so desperately need. So, um, yeah, fingers crossed there's uh, some fans at these events. Yeah. Um, so there you go. So, yeah, a big snooker fan this week. And... Uh, also the athletics um in February. But I'm sure there'll be some fans kinda like back back in, even even if it's not a full house, but maybe some of the fans as well. Because I know that this weekend in the premiership they're letting some fans back into the I think it's the Tottenham Arsenal game this weekend as well, but they're doing a kind of bother, a kind of raffle um uh, as well. So I'm not sure how many fans they're allowed back into the the grounds this weekend, but they yeah, not many, yeah. not many. But um, I think was it was it the Aston Villa game was due for tonight, and that game has been called off because of COVID. So, oh you know, yeah, yo, yeah. Um, I, I saw during the week that that game was meant to be off, but I wasn't. I, I, I'm not. I wasn't a hundred percent sure if that game's gone now, but it's it's off. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, uh, I just it was uh, Newcastle, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, and it just shows you. Um, I mean, even though we're talking about getting fans back and the sort of levels of COVID are dropping off a little bit and, you know, we're, we're opening up a little bit too, it just shows you that while we're opening up, um, you know, games are still falling. I mean, the Premier League's been quite lucky. They've not had a lot of call-offs because of COVID. Obviously, Newcastle Villa has unfortunately fallen by the wayside. But, um, yeah, it just shows you it's still hanging around and rearing its ugly head. Yeah, yeah, I know it, it kind of spoils sport when it finally comes back, but um, some weeks gamed it off. And, um, I'm I sure mean, the Villa don't mind though, because the Villa are on awful form, uh, so they uh, maybe need a break. <laughs> uh, uh, and, um, you know, it's affecting Scottish football badly, as I say, early on, with, uh, especially St Midland, because they had about three or four games kind of called off in the earlier part of the season as well. That's why that they've been fine this week as well, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so let's move on because Matthew is very excited about this Mets bit on the show, I think. Oh, well, I hope you are. Anyway, after all these big build-ups, I'll give you that. Um, <laughs> it's your NFL Roundup of the Week. And it's sponsored by Just Eat the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> you, could, you could maybe think that... Sponsored by Jones. <laughs> I can't believe that I just done that on the show, but there you go. So be professional for once, Michael. Maybe maybe we're not selling just eat as well as we should. <laughs> maybe if we say it another five times, maybe. I don't know. Uh, oh, there's my phone going off. Hello, just eat. Uh, sorry. 
for every time you say that, you'll both Matthew and Michael get a free pizza. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but cheese, uh, hi, my bit of uh, what, um, my bit of smokies on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, haggis, get a bit of haggis on it. Why are we talking about haggis on a bit of pizza? That'd be nice. Yeah. Um, okay, so you're listening to the number one food show on Ninja Live Lego. <laughs> <laughs> anchovies as well. Oh, anchovies. When, when was the last time you had anchovies on a pizza? Oh, um, can I say that? I don't know what that is. Um, it's like fish. Yeah, okay. Anyway, um, Salty. Yeah, right, okay, we must <laughs> move on now. Um, yeah, <laughs> back to the NFL. Bye. <laughs> right, well, there wasn't bit of news this week. Ties in with the rugby, actually. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm starving now. Um, there, 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 there is a bit. <laughs> I need some porridge. I'm gonna uh, like porridge with whiskey to get ready for the football, uh, the rugby in the morning. And pizza, um, yeah. And pizza, anchovies and haggis. Uh, right. Uh, so there was a bit of news that ties in with the rugby and World Rugby Chief Brett Gosper, he has actually moved from his position in World Rugby and he's moved to the American Football's NFL European operation. So that was a bit of big news. Um, Gosper spent about, uh, it was about nine years in charge of the World Rugby's operation and he's oversaw uh, the Rugby World Cups in 2015 and 19, which were large events and Every year the Rugby World Cup's been on, it's actually became larger and larger. So he's he's oversaw that and his job now is to lead the NFL's attempts to expand into Europe. So um over the last few years obviously the NFL have just like World Rugby actually with the Rugby World Cup, the NFL's expanded. So you know, it started off with a sort of friendly games at um at Wembley. And then it gradually went to your first ever uh, competitive NFL game at Wembley. And then it's just gradually grown to, to the extent now that last year, I know this year with COVID that was sadly cancelled, but last year there was four NFL games in London, two at Wembley and two at the new Tottenham Stadium. Um, so it's gradually getting bigger. They're, they're hoping to have more, I think, because the NFL have actually signed a 10-year deal with Tottenham to stage, match, stage matches at the at White Hart Lane. So they've got an actual NFL-ready stadium in London. And you never know, that might mean that there's more game pictures in, in London uh, coming out of Tottenham. But another thing, obviously, because they have an NFL uh, stadium ready in, in London, as well that mean that Brett Gosper's been um, recruited to create an NFL franchise in London. So they'll actually have their own team. It's an interesting thought because it's been on the cards for a while. They've obviously recruited this guy who's got a big reputation. So I have a feeling that the NFL might start to push uh, to have a franchise in London. And that'll be huge for NFL in Europe. To have I a remember um, we were talking about this before, Matthew. I think it was way back at the beginning, other days when we were doing the show. And um, I was saying to you um, about the Tottenham Hotspur game. And um, uh, obviously, you were saying, I think you've been there for a game. Um, I went to Chicago Bears against the now Las Vegas uh, Raiders I was at the game for. yeah. And uh, you were saying that um, uh, I was watching a documentary 
about Tottenham Hotspur, and it was very interesting actually. Actually, I like watching kind of documentaries behind the scenes and all that. And um, they were showing you that when they when they have American football here, they actually pull out the Americans. Um, you know, they've got a separate park for the football park. So what they do is they they move the football park out the way. I don't know how they do that actually. And then go. But what I was going to say, Kay, was um. There was this bit in the documentary, and if you haven't watched it, I would, I would, I would advise you watching it. Only if you, if you, if you're an Arsenal fan, you would maybe hate it. But anyway, um, <laughs> but um, the the Tottenham Skigum, they have got their own football. They've they've got their own changing rooms, Matthew. But the um, the um, when the Tottenham Hotspur Skigum was using for coronavirus, the, one of the testing centres, and uh, they were at Tottenham Hotspur was using the NFL uh, dressing rooms. And you, uh, I don't know if you've seen it, Matthew, but you want to see the size of it. It's, it's massive inside. And that's Aye. only the dressing room, you know? Aye, well, I mean, they obviously have large squads. I mean, if mm. you think about, they have a, a defence and an offence playing, and each of those teams are about as large as a soccer team. So they they do have large squads of players that, that do come over. But, you know, you the point I think you've made is quite an interesting one in the sense that Tottenham Hotspur have obviously spent a lot of money in conjunction with the NFL and mm. turning White Hart Lane into a stadium that's got uh, training facilities, pitch facilities, and obviously um, dressing rooms and stuff that are there into the stadium to cater for the NFL. And it just makes you wonder, you know, if that's already there, that stadium looks very likely to be the one that holds an NFL franchise in the not-too-distant future. And and I can't wait, because to have NFL on your doorstep week in, week out when the season's on will be absolutely superb for those of us who, you know, I go to London to watch games, I've been to America to watch games. It's a lot of travelling, but to have that on your doorstep, to be able to watch some of the top teams coming to London, which isn't that far away, um, it would be outstanding. It'd be, a, it'd be a great thing for the NFL. It'd be great for the UK, I think, to have that. Um, and, that and that's another sport, Matthew, where you need, where you need fans in. Yeah, I mean, uh, the NFL's a funny one because you don't need fans in when you're in the ground, obviously, to, to experience it. But it's quite... NFL's a funny thing in the sense that it's quite built up towards TV coverage as well. So mm-hmm. when you're watching the TV... Um, and you're watching NFL games, it's quite a, even though it's a quite a violent game in the sense that it's physical, um, it's quite tactical as well. So you can watch it on TV. It's not, I think because football is quite a, an emotional thing, we all like to be there. But mm-hmm. NFL, you can watch it for the beauty of it. And mm-hmm. I think because of that, I've not actually missed the fans in the NFL as much as I've missed them in football or rugby or whatever. So it's quite funny you say that because it's not quite the same feeling. But yeah, I mean, I can't wait to go back to the NFL games. Um, it's just an amazing experience. And I, I I think it's something you should try, Michael. Maybe we should go to one. Where, um, Maybe we should show. go do the show live. Aye, I think we should. Well, Indie Live Radio, can you pay for me and Michael to go to hey. Tottenham to this? <laughs> We've got a sponsor now, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, just in case you've missed any of the show, you can do so again on the podcast that will be available from, I think it's from tomorrow, on the Indie Live website. And the show's been getting good feedback, so thanks for all your, 
your listeners and, and all that. And if you want to email us any time, uh, you can do so at um, lockerroomindialife at gmail.com. So thanks for listening this week. We'll be back next week here on Indie Live Radio. Keep it here. Uh, we've got some brilliant shows and brilliant uh, presenters coming up over the weekend as well. And we'll see you next Friday at 6 o'clock here on Indie Live Radio.